the, uh, the other thing is when you're done with it, um, give it to someone else, okay? Uh, that's, that's my one request is when you're done with it, give it to someone else. Um, so uh, that would be one thing. The other thing is um, I, I want to uh, mention in the bulletins there is a, uh, a day-by-day. I haven't mentioned this in ages. But there are scripture verses for um, every day of the week that relate to the message somehow or some way. Um, I want to encourage folks to, to uh, um, take the time to look at them. Um, I think there's a lot more in the text that we're looking at right now that, that um, you can find that can really benefit you. And so, like, just want to toss it out there. Um, verses in there. Have a look at them. Um, and I'm going to move that because it's going to drive me nuts. Uh, I, I was reading a, a news story a while back. It was from way, way back. I, I think it was in the mid-90s when uh, the Queen of England visited the United States. Um, it doesn't happen very often. I guess we're the, you know, rebellious child who, you know, <laughs> moved away and, you know, got rich. And so they want to come visit us. Anyway, um, so the Queen of England had visited, and she, she did tours of different parts of the country. And she was in Alabama. And it struck me, the news story stood out to me because, and I remembered it years later, like 10 years later, I remember 15 more than that. Anyway, um, quite a while later, I remember it because I lived in Alabama for a while, and, and I've, I don't know, have any of y'all lived in the South? Not Southern Montana. This is not the same. Um, um, the, if you go to the right parts of the South, there's a fairly comfortable attitude, right? Folks are very, um, uh, you know, they're, they're likely to hug you, right? And they're likely to, I mean, they're just very, you know, that way, and so it's a good point to avoid it. Um, but the Queen of England is, is touring this neighborhood in Alabama, and this, this gal met her, and, and uh, when, you know, she approached her, she stepped up and hugged her. Um, and, and all of England, they were scandalized. It was all over the tabloids and everything else, because you never, ever, ever touch the Queen of England. Like, you don't. You don't even come near her if you, you know, like, you're, you're supposed to, because she's on a different level. She's royalty. And this, like, scandalous thing, this, this touching the Queen of England, and the woman didn't know any better. She just didn't think of it, didn't anything. She just did it. And, and I, it's always stood out to me as a really cool thing. Like, like, actually, one of the coolest things about our country, honestly, is that you get that leveling thing, right? Like, Queen of England ain't queen here. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, so... Um, what, what we're looking at this week, we're going to start looking at the humbling of Jesus as he prepares for the cross. And, and I'm telling this story um, because there's almost nothing in our culture that's, like, on the same level, right? There's, like, nothing you're going to come across. We, we're comfortable with each other for the most part. We have very little, like, like um, we have some respect for social standing, but it's not quite the same. And so, like, like we're not an oriental culture. And, and what Jesus does here. Um, is a little multiplied of what happened in Alabama with the Queen of England. Got it? Like, like what happens in this account is huge. And it's so huge that I can't explain it right. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to dive into it. We're in John 13, continuing through the book of John, um, conveniently hitting all the Easter stuff on the way um, to Easter, which is coming up. Um, um, just real quick, previously in the last few messages, like the first half of the book of John is the book of uh, the book of signs, which is all the story of like Jesus' public ministry and all the signs he performed that demonstrated who he was as kind of his credentials. And the last part of it, which is we just finished, was the sermon series that just ended. We looked at the signs that were pointing to the cross coming up at the very end. Got it? 
Um, Jesus has entered the city of Jerusalem. They are ready to kill him. There are plots afoot. There, is, uh, there was a huge processional as he entered the city. People had a party, and they welcomed him like a conquering king, and he made fun of them by riding a donkey. Um, and then uh, some non-Jewish people approached him and were like, Jesus, we want to know about you. And Jesus, instead of engaging them, said, all right, the time has come, guys. And, and the reason the time had come was because um, um, over and over again in the book of John, he emphasizes this, the time is coming, the time is coming, the time is coming. And that means like the cross is coming. Um, and so uh, this half of the book is called the book of glory. And uh, glory in John is all about revealing who God is, right? It's, it's knowing who God is more clearly, seeing him like for who he is. Because if you know who God is, like he just naturally is glorified, right? Like he is naturally, he, there, there are folks I've met um, in my years that you, you get to know them, and the more you get to know them, the more impressed you are by them, right? I mean, there, there are people like that all around, all around us here. We're very blessed as a community to have a lot of those folks. But there are people, you, you meet them, and the more you talk to them, the more you love them. And the more you're like, man, that guy's awesome. I, you know, wow. Um, and so, like, God's glory, as John is talking about it, is literally just revealing who he is. And so it's right there. Um, there's kind of a re- reverse of pattern. Um, up until this point, it's been uh, where signs happen, and then there's an explanation. You know, like, Jesus performs a miracle, and he explains it. Jesus performs a miracle, then he explains it. Um, from this point forward, the whole book is pointing forward to the cross. And so everything that happens is an explanation of the cross happening. Okay? And so every sermon from here on out, right, from here on out is going to be pointing to the cross. Good Friday is coming, right? Um, and so heads up, that's there. Um, and so as we dive into the text, uh, now before the, peace, the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, there's that phrase again, right? His hour had come. You know, the cross is coming. Um, this is actually the night that he was arrested. So this would be uh, Monday, Thursday. So this is the Thursday before Easter. Um, Jesus is... Um, there he is um, in the city, and they're having the feast of Passover, um, which is this big meal they had to celebrate the Jews getting out of slavery in Egypt, right? Um, and, and what happened was, like the, all the plagues, everybody saw that movie, right? The animated one and the one with Charlton Heston. Um, and and um, all the plagues happened, and the very last plague was the plague of the, the firstborn, where the angel of the Lord passed over the city and, like, all the firstborn died except for the Jewish firstborn because they killed a lamb and painted their doorposts with blood, right? And that was, you know, the, 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 that was the sign that they were to be passed over. And John is including it because it's what happened, but it's also a huge deal. I'm going to mention it because it's important to know. Um, this feast of Passover is, um, is pointing to Jesus, right? Like the passing over where, like, the blood of the lamb saved the Jewish people. You know, Jesus' blood is going to save us, right? And so, like... Like, that's the symbolism, that's the significance, it's coming into it. Um, His hour had come to depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now watch this. He loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. Now this is one that's, it's just a hard one to translate well. So I'm going to paraphrase, okay? Jesus came into the world. He loved the folks around him. He demonstrated his love with his life. And then going to the end, he demonstrated his love even more. All right? Now, that phrase is sort of like, I don't know, it's like the master key for understanding this section, right? 
It's like uh, when you look at a map. I was looking at the highway map because I was supposed to go to Kalispell this week, and I didn't because the roads were bad. At least that's what Carly tells me um, because she got stuck. Um, and, And looking, has anybody ever looked up that highway map? And you look at it, and it looks like somebody, like, you gave a little kid a map and a marker. <laughs> and, you know, it means nothing until you look to the left side, and you get the dots, and they tell you what's going on, and the little lines that tell you what's going on. And um, um, then you call people you know in the area because the map, even with the dots and lines, is confusing. Um, this is the, that, that key, that, that guide for this. And so what Jesus is about to do, he's about to really show them love, okay? Um, And so in 13.2, during the supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now, John includes this, and it's important, and it's easy to miss why it's important. Judas, uh, of course, is the guy who's about to betray Jesus, right? Um, He is is a heel. He's not a very nice guy. Um, As we shift into it, it's easy to read this, and there have been hundreds of sermons and books and everything else written on the idea that Judas didn't have any choice because the devil grabbed him and made him do it, right? Um, That's not really what it says. It's an odd phrasing again. Greek is a difficult language. What he's saying is um, basically that Judas, Judas was a wicked guy already, right? And Judas... You know, he had already kind of moved in this direction, and like it was conceived in his heart, it was ready to happen. And um, like, there's a degree to which Satan, like the 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 adversary, had decided that Judas would be the betrayer, but Judas is going along with it. Got it? Um, it it's not like he's having trouble finding somebody who who's going to go along for the ride, right? He picked the guy who is who is in, and and they they team up on the process. Um, and so, like, he's, it's right there. Judas is, is, is thinking about it. The devil is there. He's already decided we're going to go ahead and finish this Jesus being in the world thing altogether. Um, three to five is uh, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given, him all, given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Now, you hit pause here. This is a statement of bigness, right? You ever watch, like, uh, uh, boxing? Probably nobody watches boxing. Um, but they'll, they'll do all the funny titles for the boxers before they come out. You know, the master of disaster, the, you know, or, or, or what have you. This is like his, his list of, you know, explanation, right? So Jesus is coming out. He is there. Um, and he knows that the father, meaning God, the father had given him all things, meaning everything in the world is his. He has power. He has authority. At this point, he's sitting at the same table with Judas. He could have squished him like a bug. Got it? I mean, he could have, he could have, like, absolutely blasted him out of the room if he had felt like it. He could have, in fact, actually being that he's God, he could have decided Judas never existed and Judas would cease to have ever existed, right? Like, like he has all authority. And he is sitting at the table with his betrayer. Um, all things had been given into his hands. And they had come from God and was going back to God, meaning he knows where he's going, rose from supper, so they're sitting at the Last Supper, and the way this would be, you'd have a really low sitting table and mats, right? And you'd lay on the mat, generally on your left side, um, and you would eat, like, in a circle facing each other with your feet sticking out, right? Anybody know why your feet stuck out? Because they stunk. That's right. Nobody wants their feet on the dinner table. I cannot seem to get my son to understand it, but he's only two. Um, but you wouldn't know by smelling his feet. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> 
So he rose from the supper. Jesus gets up. They're all circled around. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Now, right out of the gate, um, what Jesus has done here is um, culturally significant in a way that we don't always get. Um, If you read literature from the ancient world, it talks about, uh, like writers make fun of people who do this, right? It was a servant job to dress like this, right? And people just made fun of them. This was not a good job. Okay, and like just the clothing that they wore for that purpose was that crummy, like like so it was you know anybody who dressed that way they made fun of them. It would be a little like uh, I I I got to be careful. I don't want to offend anyone. Um, I I uh, I had a friend in high school who worked at Chuck E. Cheese. Anyone ever work? You know, familiar with Chuck E. Cheese? It's every parent's nightmare. Um, and and she had. Um, the regular responsibility of wearing the costume. You know what I'm talking about? She was the mouse, the rat. Actually, I think he's a rat, right? Or is he a mouse? It's probably a rat. I, uh, <laughs> I'll go with Big D on this. He's a mouse. Um, and several friends, we got together and we went to Chuck E. Cheese the day we knew that she was dressing as a mouse because we were going to pick on her, right? We had to sneak in because they won't let you in to Chuck E. Cheese without kids, apparently. I don't know what that's about. Um, but, but it's kind of on that, I mean, like, think of, it's a humiliating thing, right? It is a, it is a lowly thing to, to do this. And so Jesus, God has given him all things, right? Through him, all things were created. He is equal with the Father, but chooses to submit to the Father. There's a whole thing we're not getting into right now. But Jesus, like, um, who knows every one of your names, Right? who could recreate your fingerprint from memory, right? Who has counted the number of hairs on your head and not one of them falls without, like, some sort of will being involved. Though that's the Father, Jesus is part of the... Anyway, um, like, he gets up and he puts on this outfit. And so the disciples are sitting there almost certainly like, what the heck is he doing, right? Because um, for... A Jewish man, like, like, this would be a real lowering. Like, for anybody, this would be a real lowering. This is the lowest slave in the house, right? Um, it was so low that if you had Jewish and non-Jewish slaves, it was actually a law in place that um, the Jewish slave didn't have to dress like that and didn't have to do the jobs that that guy did. It would be the Gentile because, like, they were lower, Okay, so Jesus gets up. Everybody's sitting there. They're dumbstruck. They're like, what on earth is he doing? Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around his waist. So he goes around and he's washing these guys' feet. Now, why did they wash feet in that culture? I know I've said this a million times, but I'm going to say it again. They didn't wear regular shoes. They wore sandals, right, which you could do today if you really wanted to, by the way, because it's beautiful. Um, and they had dirt roads, and we have plenty of them. And when you walk in dirt roads on our gravel roads, what happens? They get nasty, right? When it's hot out because you live in a desert climate, do they get even nastier? Um, Even more so, there are animals everywhere, right? So we're going to add that into the mix. People's feet were gross in the first century, right? And there ain't no one way or the other about it. It was a gross thing. Um, And Jesus gets up, and he goes around, and he starts washing his disciples' feet. Now, as far as jobs go, this was considered to be absolutely humiliating, right? Um, It was so humiliating. I I spent a big part of yesterday reading about um, the cultural significance of this. There was a story about a a mom 
um, her son was a, a famous rabbi, and he came home from teaching one day, and she was so moved, like, with love for him that she wanted to wash his feet, and he said no, and when she insisted, he filed a lawsuit against her, like, because he didn't want her to humiliate herself that much. Like, I mean, significance. Kind of getting the idea? Um, you would never, ever, ever, ever wash a peer's feet. If you were on the same level, you would never wash another person's feet who was on the same level as you. Got it? Like, it would, it would be really, like, just, it just didn't happen. Um, Jesus, who is the master, who's the teacher, who's the guy at the top of the totem pole, right, um, gets up and does this. Um, he gets up and washes the disciples' feet. Um, and so, like, this is unheard of, right? Um, occasionally, you would see where people who weren't slaves would do it. Um, you would see where wives would do it for husbands as a show of, like, utter devotion and love, right? Um, there are stories of that in the Jewish literature. Kids would sometimes do it for parents. Um, and, and, you know, as I mentioned, mothers and sons. It was very rare when that happened because it was a, like a show of supreme devotion, um, but for equals to do it never happened. And what Jesus does is unheard of, okay? It's a little like the Queen of England cleaning your septic tank. Got it? I mean, like, it, it's hard to even, it's not even to that scale because it, she's just the Queen of England. She's not God, right? Um, and this is literally God. This is, this is you know, Jesus, the creator, um, washing the disciples' feet. Now, the disciples at this point would be, like dumbstruck. I mean, they would be absolutely just taken aback to the point that they're they're not even. I mean, they would be shamed by it. It would be so extreme. Got it? Like this is this is something that would have blown them out of the water. And so um, he came to Simon Peter, uh, who said to him, "Lord, do you wash my feet?" Now the phrasing here is of incredulity, right? He's incredulous. It's almost anger. Right? The way it's phrased. And the emphasis should be, you wash my feet? And, and he's, he's just, oh my gosh. And Jesus answered him, what I am doing, you do not understand now. But afterward, you will understand. Now, what he's saying here, now watch this. Everything from this point forward is pointing to the end. Right? Last week we talked a little bit about the Messiah thing, right? Like God... The Messiah is sent. The Messiah dying, like the Jewish people couldn't buy that, right? And, and if you listen to the sermon, there are copies of CDs out there if you want to grab one, um, or they're online. Um, it, we, I talked a little more about that. The idea of a Messiah dying was unheard of. It was actually culturally offensive. And so what does Jesus do? He gets up and he does something else that's culturally offensive as a way of showing like humility to his, to his disciples, right? This is a foreshadow of the cross. On the cross, Jesus, again, God, right, allows himself to be beaten and stripped naked and hung from a piece of wood to die slowly um, over the course of six hours. Just unbelievably unpleasant way to go um, and absolutely humiliating. And for the Jewish people, dying on a cross was considered to be a sign that God hated you. Right? Like they, it was just unheard of that this would happen. It's almost on the same level. And so what Jesus is doing is he's showing them, look, this is how much I love you. 
I love you and I'm so devoted to you and I am so like willing to serve you that I'm going to go from being the guy in the middle of the room that everybody looks to to being the guy at the bottom of the stack. I'm going to step down and I'm going to take this, take this on. And that's what he does on the cross, ultimately, right? He goes from being the son of God to being adored, to people worshiping him as he enters the city, to being, like, crucified, humiliated, shamed. Um, and he says, listen, you're going to understand this. And, and he doesn't write then. And Peter said to him, you, you shall never wash my feet outright. Right? Again, anger in his voice. You are not, it's not happening. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Now, share with me is, um, it's a phrase that's generally used with um, inheritance, right? Like you would have a share of your father, right? Like you inherit stuff from your dad. Um, It may be bills, but you'd inherit stuff and bad habits. Um, you, You have no share of me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head, right? The folks have tried to make this into something bigger, but it's more that Peter was kind of like impetuous, right? Like, oh, well, if I can have a slice, can I have the whole thing? And he says, well, look, you know, if you're going to wash me, if I've got to be washed by you, go ahead and I'm ready. You know, go ahead and bathe me. Um, would have been awkward at dinner. Um, but this is Peter just being super impetuous, like, well, come on, let's just, just wash me completely then. So he swings like a pendulum, right? Like super emotional. Um, Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to be washed except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Now, he says, you're clean, um, you don't need a full, a full washing. So Peter maybe took a bath. It's kind of one way or the other. Um, watch this. Peter um, has faith in Jesus. Peter is saved, right? Peter is cleansed from his sins by the blood of Christ before the blood of Christ was shed. Okay? So Peter is clean. However, I, I've been saved for almost, I've been a Christian for, what, 25 years or something? It's been a really long time. Um, and I, I do continue to sin. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I, oh, thanks, honey. <laughs> I, I, I speak impetuously, and I, I say things without thinking. I act in ways that are, that are wrong. I, sometimes I'm lazy, right, and I don't do things that I should. Or sometimes my pride gets in the way and prevents me from doing the right thing. There are all sorts of things that like, are part of me being sinful. And I continue to sin. And guess what? I continue to be forgiven. And part of what Jesus is talking about here is, look, you may be, you know, you are clean. This is a supplementary, you know, not a supplementary washing. I'm washing your feet to demonstrate, right? And so Jesus is saved by grace, or Peter is saved by grace, but he needs to be washed of his sins whenever he sins, right? And so he's washing his feet to demonstrate this idea. Um, Each one of us is going to continue to do it. Sorry, guys. Um, And we'll continue to need to be forgiven. And honestly, if you think about it, and this is a hard thing for me, at least, I don't know about y'all, it's a hard thing for me to know that I've been given this enormous gift and I continue to do bad things, right? And Jesus continues to be humbled for my sake. Um, now, he closes with mention, hey, Judas is in the room. Jesus knew Judas was going to betray them. The next sentence, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment, he resumed his place and he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Um, 
did he skip Judas? No. Did he maybe do a secondhand job? Like a, he doesn't mention a substandard job or let me give you a spit shine there. <laughs> you know, <can> I, <laughs> no, I mean, nothing like that. Jesus washes the feet of the man who's going to betray him. Jesus washes the feet of the enemy, right? Um, he washes the feet of the one who's going to send him to an agonizing death that he's terrified of. You know, we looked at that in chapter 12, like the, the fear that was in him of what's coming. And Jesus washed his feet anyway. Says, Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for, for so I am. Now, he acknowledges social position now, right? I am teacher and I am Lord. I'm at the top of the food chain in the room, right? I am the boss. And so he goes back to acknowledging his position. And then he says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, he's just taken like sort of a social standard. He says, listen, if I did it for you, you do it for each other, right? But these guys earlier were arguing about like who's better, like, oh, I'm going to be the good one in the kingdom of God because I do this. Oh, well, I'm holier than you because I do this. Well, I pray three times a day. Just three times? I, You know, I. <laughs> you get the point? Um, it, it, he's saying, listen, all of this, I'm better than you. All of this, I'm standing higher on the totem pole than you. All of this, you know, I'm awesome and you're not. Um, just toss it to the side, guys. Don't worry about it because I'm the teacher. I'm the Lord. I'm the guy at the top of the totem pole, and I did this for you. If I did it for you, you do it for each other. There's huge implications to this. We're going to get to it in a second. We've got a couple more verses, and then we'll kind of swing around and talk about what this means to us. For I have given you as an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Um, example means like pattern. Right? He's giving them a model. Um, literally, he says, I've modeled a behavior. You guys need to do it. Right? Um, I've done it. You need to do it. Um, it's a pretty direct thing. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. He says, you are not better than me, guys. Right? You're not higher on the food chain than me. You're not, like, in a better spot. I'm at the top here. You're never going to be better than me. Um, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So he says, listen, do it for each other. Do it for each other because I did it for you, and you're not better than me, right? If you look at the people around you and you say, I'm too good for that, understand I did it. And that means you're saying you're better than me, right? He's teaching him in a very difficult way, literally by humiliating himself, right? What Jesus just did was absolutely humiliating. And, um, and he says, you should do this, serve each other, take care of each other, um, and so forth. Uh, if you do these things, blessed are you, um, or excuse me, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. In the previous sermon, we saw a passage where he talks about, listen, in the long run, I'm not here to judge you, right? If you know what I teach and you don't follow it, what's going to judge you is what I teach because it's going to be a standard you're going to stand next to, right? 
And that standard you stand next to is either what's going to, you're going to measure up or you ain't, right? Still saved by grace, but ultimately God's going to look at you, not for heaven and hell, but he's going to look at you and say, well, what'd you do with the teaching, right? What'd you do with my son, what my son gave you? Did you, like, mold your heart after him? Did you become a person whose heart, like, was humble and loved the people around you? Is that what you did? Um, and, and God will, like, will be measured by that. And he says, listen, you're going to be blessed um, if you do what I'm teaching. Again, this is not about being saved. It's, it's about, like, we're saved by faith in Christ. But we're saved so that we can become like Christ and so that we can draw close to God. Um, I'm not speaking to all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate bread has lifted his heel against me, and I am telling you this now before it takes place. And when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. Whoever receives me receives the one I send. Um, he, uh, he, he, go ahead, he goes ahead and he acknowledges Judas. He says, listen, one of you is going to betray me. And then he says, anyone who receives you um, receives me, and they receive the Father, right? So go out and teach. Go out and preach. Go out, and it's like a precursor to the Great Commission. Um, we're going to jump through a bunch of texts at the very end, but we're going to come back to that because I uh, don't want – well, anyway. Um, so watch this. Um, what do we do with this? What are we supposed to do with this foot washing thing? Um, for starters – um, we're to recognize when Jesus dies for us, when Jesus goes to the cross, when Jesus rises from the dead on Easter, from the dead on Easter, what he does is he washes us, right? Jesus goes to the ugliest part of these people and he washes them. And he washes them from a place of humili- humility and while humiliating himself, he lowers himself and washes just the ugliest, nastiest part of them, right? Um, know in your heart, know in your mind, if you have faith in Christ, he has done the same for you. He has taken the ugliest, nastiest, dirtiest, hide it from anyone, keep it away from the food part of you, and he's cleaned it. He sat there and, and scrubbed it off. And he does it again every single time you need it. And it's out of his love for us to the end, right? And it's fantastic. Um, if you have faith in Christ, if you are like under his lordship, that is the case. And it is the case for the rest of your life. Like it is about following him and he cleans us every day. Um, and he humiliated himself to do it. And, and it's a blessing. Um, what else are we supposed to do with this? Well, part of it is, um, we're called to serve each other, right? Cause there's, there's that other end. He says, listen, go and do it for each other. Is he saying, go die for each other, go die for each other's sins? No, can't do that, right? What he's saying is serve each other. Um, years ago, I, I had a job as a youth pastor, and we um, were missing. We, we lost our, uh, our, our, our custodian, and they, they're like, well, this is how much we're going to pay for it and all this other stuff. And I was like, I need the money. I'll do it. You know, like, I'm there. Like, if, you, if you're paying me to, you know, vacuum, I'm going to be here anyway. I'll vacuum. I and, and I, I was told, he said, look, don't do it, because as soon as you start doing it, people will see you as that. And you'll stop being the youth pastor, and you'll start being the janitor. And it's always struck me as funny. I mean, there's a great leadership idea there and all that, but, like, at the same time, like, like God forbid that people look at me as somebody who's willing to clean up, right? God forbid that people would look at me as somebody, yeah, I know, it doesn't happen anyway. I would have been a terrible janitor. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um but don't worry, I'm raising kids who are just like me. Um, 
but, but there's a shade of that there where, like, there's this unwillingness sometimes to take the lower spot, isn't there? There's an unwillingness to be the guy who, who um, takes care of other people's needs and you don't want to do it. There's an unwillingness to, to look at the folks around you and say, you know what, I, I'm, I need to serve you. You know, you're worthy of me serving because Jesus died for you and because Jesus loves you and I will serve you. Um, it's easy to look at the folks around us and say, you are too bad to treat right. Right? You're too bad to lower myself next to. But Judas is in the room, and he washes Judas's feet, right? And so this kind of goes across the board. There are people we don't like, right? God calls us to serve them. Um, where does that apply? Well, I'm going to tell you, everybody in the room is married. Anybody ever feel angry at your spouse and just cannot deal with them? <laughs> Thanks, honey. It's only two of us. Um, everybody else is perfect. Um, the reality is, I, this is something I try to do. I'm not good at it, but every time I get frustrated with my wife, I back up and say, how do I serve her? What do I need to do? And I start doing laundry. And she gets mad, and she's like, you're being passive-aggressive washing the laundry. Anyway, just to make me mad, I'm trying to serve you. Um, <laughs> I love you, sweetheart. I'm so in trouble. Um, and it's almost always because I'm wrong, by the way. Um, um, but we look at the folks around us, and we serve them. Um, there's this attitude sometimes in church circles where, where husbands are like, my wife is here to serve me and to submit to my will. And ultimately, like, that, that's just forgetting this. It's like, oh, well, her job is to be the servant. Wash my feet, honey. Um, and she'd probably spit shine them. Um, <laughs> um, but we're, we're to serve each other in our families, right? I, uh, I have to struggle. I'm struggling with this with Abby right now because Abby, um, with my, you know, with your kids, and this is the truth, Right. Abby wants more attention right now because Titus is getting attention. And all of a sudden, she's not the only star in the sky, right? And so at Good News Club, actually, they were singing, and she didn't want to sing because she wanted to stand by me. And I was like, well, okay, I'll stand by you. So I went over, and I stood by her out there, and I sang with her. I was doing something, but whatever. I'll go sit, you know, stand by you. And then about halfway through the singing, she says, I want to go sit over there. Well, go. Nope, I want you to come with me. So I'm going to go and sit on the floor next to a boy I think she has a crush on. Um, <laughs> but our kids ask and our kids demand, and sometimes our kids make messes that we have to clean up, right? And we serve them. We serve the people around us. It's oftentimes the case that people in churches act crummy. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Not in this one, everywhere else. Um, <laughs> But we're called to love them and serve them anyway, even when they act crummy, right? But they're called to do the same thing for us. It's not fun. It's what we're called to do. Um, we're called to serve our neighbors. Um, and sometimes our neighbors are not people we want to serve, right? Our coworkers, sometimes people we don't want to serve. Jesus doesn't put a whole lot of um, qualifier here, right? He even washes his enemies' feet. And here we are. I, uh, one of the most powerful things I ever experienced, uh, this guy at work I didn't get along with, we had a shouting match, got in each other's faces and yelled at each other one day. It's quite a thing for a chaplain. Um, I went home, and I went for a walk, and I was steaming, and I prayed for him. And I'm like, God, just fix that guy, whatever's wrong with him. You know, I don't know what his problem is, God, but just fix him. And then I, I had this thought. I'm like, well, is he seeing Jesus when he sees me? Not really, right? And so I found every opportunity to wash that guy's feet. Not literally. That would have been weird. Um, 
it would have been culturally unacceptable. I, I spent an afternoon working on his car, right, just for nothing. Changed his brakes out. I, uh, I found opportunities to, like, make his job easier. I picked up chores for him around the office. I found things to do, right? Ultimately, I did the best I could to serve him, right? Um, and over time, it changed. Uh, but more than anything else, it changed my heart because humility is hard, right? Now, this end of things is huge. There's another end of things. It's a deeper concept um, beyond serving, and that's pride, right? Pride is cancer to spiritual life. Got it? It's ugly. It's bad. It destroys you spiritually. You cannot grow spiritually if pride is in the way. Um, here's why. Um, Peter is there. What does he say? No, you are not washing my feet. What if he had dug in and said absolutely not and left? Would have been the end of it, right? He submitted in the end, right? Um, he submitted in the end, but Judas didn't. Judas allowed it to happen, but spiritually, Judas never engaged it. Humility kills us. Um, you cannot back up and acknowledge your sin and say, Jesus, wash this off if you're too proud to do it, right? I know people who have walked away from relationships, who have walked away from church, who have walked away from all sorts of things because their pride gets in the way, and they just can't put it down and say sorry, or they just can't lower themselves to be in that place again, right? Because it's just, man, my pride is too strong, but it kills you spiritually. Um, there was years and years and years and years that I would listen to sermons and look around at the room at all the people who needed to hear what they were preaching, right? Anybody do that? Oh, I really wish so-and-so was here. They need to hear this. Guess who I wasn't thinking about? Me, right? I didn't think about my sin at all. It was during a time when sin was rampant in my life. It destroyed me. It was bad. Spiritually, it just sucks the life out of you. Pride, pride, pride prevents us from growing and living spiritually. And part of what Jesus is demonstrating here is what humility is. And humility is love. Like a big part of it is taking on this humble attitude of love of how do I serve you? Um, how do I do right by you? How do I serve Jesus as well? Because if I refuse to look at my own self, if I refuse to be healed spiritually, I can never grow. Um, we're going to close in prayer. My challenge to you this week is to look at your heart and look at your life and ask yourself, who am I serving? Who am I not serving? Who am I going out and doing right by? Who am I um, washing their feet with my life, right? How am I serving Jesus and imitating Jesus in this? And the other thing I want you to look at is, how does Jesus need to wash me? Are there parts of your life that Jesus needs to wash, like part, these, these ugly, stinky, spiritual junk parts that Jesus needs to clean up? And like, where is it? Um, what is it? I have to read ten verses. Sorry, guys. Just bumped it forward so I wouldn't forget. Um, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. Third time that phrase is used, meaning he was very upset. Uh, and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain as to, of whom he spoke. One of the disciples whom Jesus loved, that's John, the author, doesn't refer to himself by name, reclined at the table at Jesus' side. He's the guy right next to Jesus. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So the disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? So he's like, hey, one of you guys is about to betray me. Peter's like, hey, who is it? Ask him, right? <laughs> he leans back and he's like, who is it? 
Um, so he says quietly to Jesus, and Jesus answers, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So then he had dipped the morsel and he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought it was because Judas had the money bag and Jesus was telling him to go and buy what we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was night. Um, Now, last thing, I know I'm a little long, I'm sorry. Um, Jesus washed Judas' feet knowing he would do this. He washes us knowing that we'll continue to rebel, right? How powerful is that? Knowing that I'll be in Judas' spot selling him out for the sake of my pride or for the sake of me being angry at someone or for the sake of what I want or what have you, knowing I'll do it, Jesus still washes me. And he does the same for you. Um, There's no greater thing. That's why we celebrate Easter. Um, We're going to close in prayer. um, And we're going to go out and we're we're going to serve the world. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us and help us to serve uh, the folks around us. Help us to touch the lives of the people that we come in contact with. Lord, I pray that our humility would be evident. I pray that our heart would be obvious. I pray that you would bring us to a place where our pride does not get in the way of us serving you and serving those around us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Um, Closing with a benediction. Our uh, blessing. Stand up and receive the blessing. Um, book of Proverbs is Proverbs 27:19 says, "As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man." Um, may you go out of here, may you go into the world, and may your heart reflect the face of Jesus in your life. May people see you and see Jesus in the way you serve and in the way you love and the way you put your pride aside. Amen. Amen.